Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Amaphidon. Thanks for tuning in. Happy St. Patrick's Day from all of us at BNN. Bostonians honored the holiday with traditional music and dancing last Saturday at the Celtic Bells Irish Heritage Celebration. Raise your hand if you have Irish ancestry. Anybody know that they have Irish ancestry? Look around. Isn't that amazing? Even the non-Irish were jumping up from their seats and high-stepping in tune to traditional Irish music, as if Dublin was home. Last Saturday, the music and stories of a people finding their way to a new home filled the Smith Center of the JFK Presidential Library and Museum. Interwoven in the morning of artistry, festivity, and cultural instruments, families learned about the grit of early Irish immigrants in Boston as they became part of the fabric of this nation. It was just really great to, to see how the Irish came over here, how they bonded together, and how they welcomed the people that were coming over, emigrating from their country into this country, welcomed them with open arms, and they fought for our country, and everybody learned to get along, and now the, it's just the blending of the cultures. This is a melting pot, and one by one, all these different countries have come over here, and now we're a new country of our own. Nearly two million people left Ireland in the mid-1840s due to the Irish potato famine, with many arriving in Boston. They were unskilled and poor, but desperate to make a new life. It's a determination common in many immigrant groups who come to this country and make it better. And that knowledge was not lost on attendees from the event. Well, as John F. Kennedy would say, this is a nation of immigrants. And I think that any sort of uh, plurality or diversity of, of perspectives and cultures just makes this country stronger. We're just more people uh, doing more things and celebrating and respecting each other and each other's backgrounds. It was a hard road for the Irish people who took low-paying work in mills, railroads and construction. Their efforts helped to build Boston, but they faced discrimination and were persecuted for their Catholic faith. Yet they stayed and persisted. Today, the Irish community is the largest ethnic group in Boston, with an undeniable influence on the city. For Nancy Bell, singer and musician of Celtic Bells, the struggles of the Irish are part of a larger narrative of immigrant resilience, which she was proud to share through her art. It reflects the story of every immigrant group coming to America, which is a story of tragedy. People are uprooted by hunger, by political unrest, by all kinds of horror things in their own um, homelands. And they try to come here and create a new life. And they bring with them stories, music, culture, um, wonderful uh, resilience and hope and optimism. And sometimes that's met with disappointment and then the disappointments met with perseverance and the perseverance is met with success. And we also like to value the traditions and really celebrate um, the diversity of this country. It's, it's no fun being all the same. It's, it's exciting to share the music and exciting to share the stories and the history. There's nothing like a warm bowl of comfort food on a cold winter day. And Rossendale Village Main Street gave us that cozy feeling at the Rossendale Chili Festival on Sunday. Rossendale residents warmed up with a mug of chili on Sunday, courtesy of Rossendale Main Streets, a program designed to revitalize local businesses by creating events that bring communities together. There was no room for competition, just enjoyment, as friends and families reveled in the Chili Festival, which featured five restaurants in the Roslindale Village, Shanti, Mafinka, Jimmy's Cafe, Midnight Morning, and The Square Root. 
each brought their own unique flavors to the table. Chili is like such a like, um, comfort dish for so many people. And then adding like, even if you're making at home, like how to play with it, it's, you know, it's like a fun dish to be able to like change it up. Rosendale Main Street shut down a section of Birch Street to open up a walkable space for festival goers. And those who attended are ready for more walkable streets. Yeah, no, I think it's really great anytime that we can come out here and celebrate the community that we have and get some good food. And I think it's absolutely a worthwhile thing that the city's doing. It's something we got to do more of uh, because, you know, this is our community and it shouldn't just be a place people are driving by. It should be a place where people are living and building community and getting to know each other. I think when you shut down the street, people get a chance to slow down. But when you're walking by and like you on the street, you get a chance to talk to people, you get a chance to like touch things and be more present. And it's such a good way for the community to just like engage and just assemble. Like that is the beauty of Main Street, honestly. You get all these people who really care about the neighborhood, who have fantastic ideas and yeah, you help them research it and put it on. We need a piazza, you know, somewhere where we can gather, where we can be a community, where we get to see this, listen to great music, see different people, uh, support small businesses. The Chili Festival is one of many events trying to recover the local economy after the COVID-19 pandemic. Rosendale Main Streets is one of the first established Main Street programs in the United States, and their efforts to increase community interaction and bonding have never stopped. Yeah, so COVID really impacted our restaurants. Um, so this event brings together five of our restaurants. One is actually new, opening very soon. So this is the only time to get a, a sneak peek. Um, and events like this increase foot traffic in the village. They introduce people to the restaurant owners. Um, and it really encourages people to spend their local dollars locally. A word cannot describe how important that it is, honestly. I think like after COVID, especially after three, what, two years of just being inside? Like myself, I think I became a little bit anti-social. So doing events like this where I get to talk to friends and families or local residents is always fun. And the fun doesn't stop here. The Main Streets program has more events on the horizon to look out for, making Rosendale Village a hotspot for tourists and the local community. I just think it's a great way to connect. I'm, I mean, again, I'm lucky that I'm on this street and I'm gonna try to encourage more events outside. I just think it's, I mean, we're in a city, there's people around. Ayanna Presley visited Dorchester on Tuesday to award the Big Sisters of Greater Boston with a quarter of a million dollars in federal funding, all in part of her efforts to uplift the next generation. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley has secured $250,000 for Big Sister Association of Greater Boston. The funding will ensure that more young women and girls of Boston will have access to a mentor who can help guide them in a world where their success is not guaranteed. Having a mentor is like having a cool auntie who you can talk to about anything, and every girl should have one. You know, as a mental professional, I always recommend young girls to have mentors because it provides a source of connection 
Um, it helps young girls build confidence in who they are, self-worth and self-esteem, which is so important for young girls growing up. And it also helps them to build coping skills, how to manage stress, right? Spending time with someone who nurtures you, like you're laughing, you're enjoying just special time together. And that builds those positive, um, those happiness hormones that help you navigate through tough situations. Presley visited Dorchester on Tuesday to hold a roundtable discussion on how to enrich the organization's programming for girls. Joining the conversation was big sister of Greater Boston CEO and President Anissa Asavi-George. Mentoring is just such an important aspect of a young person's life and when I think about the impact of our big sisters as mentors in their little sister's life, the relationship really does benefit each. But mentoring is about friendship, it's about being someone's cheerleader, it's about being their confidant, it's about being a caring adult that truly does impact the lives of our young people across the city. The achievement is another notch in the belt of Presley's Community Project Funding Plan, which has been bolstering resources for young people. And it's so important that kids and young people know that there uh, is a support system around them. It's important for them. You don't know what you can accomplish. Um, you can accomplish so much when there's people rooting for you and in your corner. So to have that support system there to encourage you and to give you resources and support when you need it is so important. This stepping stone to success is a part of Presley's intention to keep the next generation of Bostonians focused on their future. There's nothing more powerful or greater than that, to know that someone sees you, that they're actively listening to you, that they believe in you, uh, someone affirming you, celebrating you, challenging you. The greatest investment that we can make, our greatest infrastructure, is our people. And, and within that are our babies. And within that are our girls. So this $250,000 investment is going uh, to our people, it's going to our babies, it's going to our girls. And we're going to see an incredible return on investment and the contributions that they go on to make. And this grant will definitely help establish a system that works for all people, starting with the young girls of our city. It's a tale of two cities when it comes to violence in Boston. Although crime has decreased in white communities, black communities have seen a steady rise in violence. Last fall, the New Democracy Coalition, in partnership with Prophetic Resistance Boston, surveyed over 300 residents from Roxbury, Mattapan, and Dorchester on community trauma related to violence. And last Thursday, NDC shared their findings on the Black Boston Community Report on Homicide. Last year, in 2022, there were 41 homicides in Boston. As you can see in this triangle area, a multitude of them was in Dorchester, Roxbury, and Mattapan. This alone should give you a reason why the folks who live in this area are so concerned about what's happening in Boston. That triangle right there represents almost 90% of all the murders in Boston last year. And again, they're happening in Black Boston. So we have, as we have in the past, are reaching out to community, we're reaching out to law enforcement, we're reaching out to uh, politicians from the mayor on down, for everybody to band together and come together with solutions for this issue. They call it the Triangle of Death. The area from the South End through Dorchester and down to Mattapan has been erupting in violence since the fall of 2022. On Thursday, New Democracy Coalition held a press conference to release their findings on community violence in front of the convenience store where 24-year-old Quinira Goodwin was killed in a triple shooting in October of 2022. 
Residents within these communities have gathered to express their worries about gun violence, youth violence, and school violence. They believe the police are not doing enough to stop these crises. Where black people live and where they are poor, uh, there is violence and death and murder. And we call upon uh, the collective uh, capacities of those who live in the city to address this problem and to address it immediately. They're calling for city and state leaders to get involved in the issues of this area. New Democracy Coalition wants more information from the city concerning statistics on shootings and warrants, in addition to detailed plans on how Boston expects to decrease the violence. We are in a state of emergency. There is violence that is plaguing our cities and our blocks and our communities here in Boston. So my message to our black congressperson, our Massachusetts Attorney General, our District Attorney, our Police Commissioner, and our U.S. Attorney, who all have roots here in Boston, we need them home. We need their voice and we need their platform to find solutions. The continuous violence causes major trauma for these communities, and each murder only adds to that pain. Advocates have proposed creating a community hotline for reporting crimes to break the culture of silence, as well as a functioning partnership with law enforcement that ensures safer neighborhoods. We were happy to hear recently that uh, Mayor Wu has pledged to eradicate violence in the community. We want to work with Mayor Wu. We want to work with the, the police commissioner. We want to engage uh, the various institutions throughout our community, including uh, our churches, including our schools, including the network of civic organizations across the city in terms of addressing the issue of violence and death. Amplify Latinx is a nonprofit organization that focuses on building Latinx economic and political power by increasing engagement, opportunity, and representation in leadership of our Latinx communities. Aneda Roman is a prominent lawyer and organizational psychologist, as well as the co-founder, president, and CEO of Amplify Latinx. She's a nationally recognized business leader with 20 years of experience in conflict resolution, cultural competence, and public affairs. Aneda joined us on Zoom to discuss Amplify Latinx and how they're encouraging female empowerment during this Women's History Month. How does Amplify Latinx promote the voices of the community? Thank you for that question, Faith, because um, I get asked a lot what we do. And when I, you know, when I share uh, just like a very brief description of what we do, I explain it this way. I say we build economic opportunity and leadership representation of prospectors for Latinos in Massachusetts and, and beyond, of course, if we have uh, individuals who are working with us outside of, of our region. And, and how do we do that is the more operative question, right? And so we do that by creating programming that builds and strengthens leadership opportunities and that strengthens economic mobility for individuals and for Latino-owned small businesses. So right now, one of our mo most robust programs is a program that we call Power Up, and, and that is focused on Latino entrepreneurs, Latino innovators, um, who perhaps have a small business, and that kind of ties into another uh, component of, of the work that we do, which is, you know, which is the micro-business initiative, because Latinos are very entrepreneurial, start a lot of businesses, mm -hmm. and, and there's research that demonstrates that there is a huge missed opportunity between 
the potential, the actual dollar amount and the GDP created by Latino-owned businesses and the potential of the GDP that could be created by these Latino-owned businesses if they had the same opportunities as their non-Latino counterparts. And when I say that, I mean access to capital, I mean contracting opportunities, I mean you know, access supports systems uh, to, to help them scale and grow their businesses the way that they want to grow. And so, and so our program does that for, for the Latino-owned small businesses. Um, and it's really powerful. It's really incredible to see how these small business owners um, start in our program and see how these very simple tools that, that they start incorporating into their businesses help them get to another level. And so, so we have different tiers, of course. We have the, the ones that are just starting out and that, that need the basic systems. And there's others that are solid and that are looking for capital, access to capital, or that are looking for um, contracting opportunities. So we connect them to uh, certification opportunities, et cetera, or, um, or lenders who will support their growth. Mm. And, and so you know we also tie that in to policy solutions, right? Because right. because there, the reality is, as, as, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that there are some systemic uh, processes that prevent access uh, to, to these opportunities. So, so we look at those barriers and that those opportunity gaps, and, and then we support and we advocate and we educate on behalf of, of legislation that that would promote that economic mobility and that would promote that leadership representation. All right, and March, of course, honors Women's History Month. Um, I'm curious as to how Amplify Latinx is empowering women, and who are some women who have inspired you? Well, Faith, so, you know, we started only as a woman group. So so that is really the core of, of of how we began the work at Amplify Latinx, our, our actual legal name, the entity is the Latina Circle Inc. Oh. Uh, but do business as Amplify. So obviously women issues are very close to our heart and uh, we've always made sure to give visibility to women leaders, uh, to champion them, to uh, when we host uh, events, to honor them, and uh, and of course, right now we're at Women's History Month. We have our our annual uh, Women's History Month disability campaign, mm-hmm. uh, where we honor ten women uh, across sectors. And I mean, it's a very special time, right? Because it's important that we acknowledge the contributions of women, um, and 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 to make sure that that we lift them up, uh, so that so that there's equitable representation uh, for women across sectors, uh, and not just obviously individuals, but also the small business small businesses owned by women. Um, we make sure that we you know that we give them the platform. Uh, we uh, often nominate also for external awards so that so that women are seen outside of our network mm-hmm. and so it's just it's just there's there's a lot right we've done a lot but we still there's a lot to be done and, and we're proud to you know to lead the way uh for for latinas and to champion them and make sure that you know that they have a seat at the table right mm-hmm. um and and for me my gosh i mean at a personal level i i know so many amazing women but if i go back to my childhood it was my abuelita my you know my mom you know my my tias my my cousins uh, because I'm I'm on the younger side in my family, so I remember I used to look at my cousins like, wow, I want to be like her, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, they were all very strong women. You know, my my grandmother, my abuelita, was a woman ahead of her time. You know, she ran for office, 
you know, when in the 1940s and 50s, when that was unheard of. And, and so I saw in her an example of a woman that, that saw no barriers, you know, and that she surrounded herself by men who lifted her up, right. That didn't limit her. And, and so, um, you know, that, that is really the, the genesis of, you know, of my inspiration, uh, to, to also support not just my generation of women, but the next generation, because it's important that we lift as we climb, that we support women, uh, that are, you know, that are coming behind us so that they know that we, you know, that they have an open door and that we're here to, you know, to support them in their professional growth and their personal growth. Mm, I love that. And what's been your journey becoming a leader in the Latinx community? And how can young women um, follow in your footsteps? So, you know, when I get asked that question, I, I always say that it's been very organic. Like when I was, ironically, it, people don't, and nobody else don't believe this, but I was shy when I was younger. I was, I was shy. I was, I was not, you know, I had not yet come out of my shell. And I, you know, I, I was just, I was timid. I was, I, I didn't ask too many questions. You know, I, I worked really hard and I did my work and, and my leadership journey has taught me that, that the more questions you ask and the more you put out there, what you want to accomplish and what you want to do in your dreams and aspirations, the easier it is, right? Because if you have a plan and an idea and a dream, but you don't communicate that, to others, then it's, it's hard, right? It's hard for, you know, for, for others to know and to be able to, to help and champion you and support you. So, so I think that if, if I was going to give a piece of advice to, to a young woman, um, I would say surround yourself by people that will elevate you, that will lift you up, uh, because you're the sum of the people that you're surrounded by. So if you see somebody that, that is not necessarily aligned with you and that, and that doesn't, um, doesn't necessarily uh, see your potential, then move on and, and surround yourself by, by people that will um, see that potential and that will champion you to, you know, to be your best self. Uh, because, because it's, it's something that, you know, that, that happens naturally. And I think, you know, also when I go back to, you know, to how this journey began, the, the initial inclination for me to get involved in the bar associations and the and the different pro professional groups was really a sense of isolation uh, because I you know I felt that there were not many people that looked like me in, in the professional circles so I gravitated towards towards Latino groups and, and groups um, that cater to uh, to uh, diverse uh, professionals. And, you know, and that inspired me to, to then begin serving and, and serve in leadership roles. And then that inspired me to, you know, to start my own organization in Boston and, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and so forth, you know, and so having, you know, having those, those people around me that, you know, that get it at the champions and a lot of allies too, right? Because right. there's people that are non-Latino that understand the importance of representation and that stand up for what's right. And so, you know, and so making sure that, we're always surrounded by by those those people who you know who are elevating us is is really important in that journey. Callum Bell is a multi-instrumentalist who has been performing on New England stages since the age of seven, touring with the Bell Family Band and Celtic Bells. He brings a mastery far beyond his years to the fiddle, Irish flute, guitar, and Highland bagpipes. We briefly chatted with the Irish musician on his love for the culture and what St. Patrick's Day means to him. 
Happy St. Patrick's Day, Callum. I know this is a very busy day for you. I'd love to get started with having you talk a little bit about what St. Patrick's Day means to you and how do you celebrate the holiday? Uh, the holiday is my favorite time of the year. It's actually it's brilliant. I celebrate by working very hard in many, many gigs. Um, last year, I had a record-breaking 15 in, um, in a period of four days. This year, it's definitely a little bit less crazy, which is good, but... Um, tonight I'm going to be celebrating at the Dubliner Irish Bar in um, downtown Boston, one of my favorite spots. Uh, I'll be playing and partying there from 9 to 1 8. Amazing. And Massachusetts, it's the most Irish state of all of the states in the country. About 20% of our population uh, claim Irish uh, heritage. Um, in what ways is Boston, particularly under 30 crowd, keeping the Irish heritage alive? Um, I would say um, it, it really corresponds with what I do for a living, which is great. Uh, the bars in Boston are absolutely fantastic for Irish music. There's so many different venues and, and bars and pubs around. So I'd say I'm, I'm always surprised when I see a group of, you know, 30, 20 year old, 21 year old looking guys coming in, like just absolutely loving the music. And what is it about Boston? Um, why should people celebrate in Boston of all places? Oh, because Boston is the home of the Irish. I mean, the Irish community in Boston is mad. I mean, I, all my friends are Irish. You know, there's there's more Irish in Boston than there are in Ireland, is what I like to say. Callum Bell, multi-instrumentalist in Boston, also part of the Bell Family Band. Thank you so much for your time today, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to enjoy Calum's uh, music for yourself, he's also performing Saturday, March 18th at the Dubliner on Two Center Plaza uh, from 3 to 6 p.m., as well as Emmett's on 6 Beacon Street from 9 p.m. to midnight. For some family fun this weekend, Roxbury on Saturday for a St. Patrick's Day arts and crafts event held at the Vine Street Community Center from 1 to 3 p.m. Besides the iconic St. Patrick's Day Parade on Sunday, the South Boston Road Race is also happening from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Families are welcome to watch runners in the streets at the South Boston Boys and Girls Club. All proceeds will benefit the Eggerly Family South Boston Boys and Girls Club's youth development and teen programs. And if crowds and festivals aren't your thing, you can go down to the Greater Boston Convention and Visitors Bureau at the Boston Common to explore the history of Irish immigration and culture in Boston. Pick up a map of the self-guided Irish heritage tour, taking you from the Rose Kennedy Garden up to the State House and over to the Public Library and Fenway Stadium. You can learn more at irishheritagetrail.com. And that's it for tonight. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch the news on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, Astound Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. Make sure to check out our BNN HD Xfinity Channel 1072. You can also hear us on the radio, Fridays at 6.30 and 9.30 p.m. and on Monday through Thursday at 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. For BNN News, I'm Faith Amathedon. I'll see you next Friday.